The scripture is John chapter 17, verses 6 through 19. I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave to me, I have given to them, and they have received them, and know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. I am not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name, so that you have given me, so that they may be one, as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them in your name, that you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them was lost, except the one destined to be lost, so that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and I speak these things in the world, so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. I have given them your word. This is a story of faith and faithful struggle. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be acceptable to you. And may we like Samuel, cry out and say, Speak, Lord, for we are listening. Amen. Jill Savage, our liturgist this week, has just read John's version of Christ's farewell discourse. Jesus has been resurrected following his crucifixion. And as we read in Acts 1, verse 3, after his suffering, Jesus presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Matthew and Mark both closed their versions of this farewell discourse with the Great Commission, Jesus' instruction to his disciples to go out into the world and spread the good news of God's grace. There it says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's Matthew's version of this Great Commission, this part of the Farewell Discourse. It is after this command on which much of the Christian emphasis of sharing the Gospel is based. Following this, Jesus is taken up into heaven. In the John passage, which is our text for today, 
Jesus talks about the disciples not being of the world, being sanctified in truth, and how the world will hate them as a result. There's nothing inherently toxic in these words, and yet this passage has been interpreted and applied in ways that have caused harm when outspoken people say or do something that is poorly received by society. This passage has been misinterpreted by those who double down, pointing to this idea that they have a biblical right to live by different rules and to bear no consequence. For instance, the employer that finds out the health care they pay provides birth control and immediately cancels the plan and then cries persecution when held accountable. These are examples where there is not a loving of neighbor going on and understanding of those in need. Another example is the parent who protests trans children in the same school as their child being told they have a right to go somewhere else and then claim some sort of exclusion on the basis of their faith. These misinterpretations must not stand as examples of the true Christianity that we learn of in this passage. Another example is the Christian shock jock that goes on a racist rant against Black Lives Matter, loses sponsors, and as a result, whips their fan base into a frenzy about standing firm in the truth. We know that the example that Jesus has left us with is one that includes others, one that is loving toward others. Just because there is opposition doesn't mean that people have a right to call it a biblical stand. So these are misinterpretations, things that are not in keeping with Jesus' command here at the end of his farewell discourse. Because it seems unlikely that this is what Jesus meant. As he was calling his disciples to follow in his footsteps, those are footsteps that show the way to challenging authority and unjust systems healing those who are in pain, and pursuing relationships with those on the furthest margins. Being in the world but not of the world was what Jesus was doing when he touched those with leprosy and ate with sex workers and tax collectors. He knew that his identity was secure. He was sanctified by truth. The world would hate the disciples because of their transformative and radical love for the people around them, which led them to take on entrenched power structures and challenge the empire. The great Latin American poet and nun, Sor Juana, wrote this, I walk beneath your pens and am not truly what I am, but what you prefer to imagine me. Sor Juana Ines de la Cruz wrote these words, but one could easily see how they could be the words of Jesus. Would he not plead with us to honor and listen to the sex worker as he honored and listened to the woman at the well? Or to use our voice and our actions to protest against economic exploitations as he did when he flipped the tables in the temple? Like Sor Juana, we could imagine him imploring us to stop drafting laws, doctrine, and entire ways of life on who we prefer he was rather than on who he is telling and showing us he is. 
I'm not asking on their behalf. I am asking on their behalf. I am not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours, he said. The high priestly prayer. The way in which we refer to Jesus' prayer in John is so formal and so grand in its expectations that it's easy to miss the heartbreak. Yes, Jesus is taking one final opportunity to prepare his disciples for their loss of him and what's going to come next. But as they listen in on his prayer, he is also reminding them of his love for them. He's reminding them that they are his and that for him, not just as a God, but as a friend, they are set apart from the rest of the world. His pleas aren't just on behalf of humanity, but for these specific people that he loved and shared his life with for three years. Last week, we used the vine analogy to describe this sort of abiding love. St. Catherine of Siena says this, the soul is in God and God is in the soul, just as the fish is in the sea and the sea is in the fish. Sometimes these kinds of analogies and examples help us to understand the depth, the richness of what our faith really means to us, how it is deeply embodied. I was asked to share with the Boy Scouts this week a little bit about what it means to be reverent, and it was a joyful time. I shared with them that I was going to talk about the Avengers this week, and I hope it's a, an analogy that you can catch on to even if you might not have seen the movie. The Avengers Endgame is a popular superhero movie based on comics, and in this particular episode, this Avengers Endgame movie, where Sam Wilson, the Falcon, is sharing his final moments with his friend Steve Rogers, Captain America. Against the backdrop of a peaceful lake, we witness the changing of the guard as Steve passes on his shield to Sam. Yes, this is a momentous occasion for the world and for the Avengers, but it's also, like our scripture, an intimate scene between friends that is tinged with sadness, knowing that Steve is about to pass, much like Jesus' farewell to the disciples. I'm happy for you, truly, only thing bumming me out is that I have to live in a world without Captain America. It's with that that Steve makes it clear that it's his expectation that Sam carry on his work. Sound familiar? That Steve being gone doesn't mean that Captain America is gone. You can see the doubt in Sam's eyes as he looks to his friend Bucky for confirmation much like we hear it in the disciples' protestations of Jesus' claim that they will continue his ministry, that we will continue Jesus' ministry of love for each other and care for those in need. Both of these moments are moments of loss, huge, world-impacting moments. But we don't want to miss the heartbreak because of the magnitude. These moments are ultimately between people who love each other, they left their jobs, their homes, and any sense of security in order to spend three years in ministry together. That's the beauty we don't want to miss in this prayer. 
The beauty of one person in ministry being transparent in their love and expectation of others. Jesus is modeling what vulnerability can look like, giving us a template for how to be in relationship. In our own lives, we ought to cling to this memory of what it looks like to love and intercede for each other. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Amen.